Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. The show is fired up, and we are live. I am brought to you in part by WBFR, Block 50 Radio, which is online 24-7, 365 at block50radio.com. I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. Take advice to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google, wherever you're listening, I am there. And if you don't want to pay for any more podcast subs, head on over to my YouTube channel, The Real Drew Duncan, The R-L Drew Duncan, where I do post entire episodes for free. Can't say there won't be any ads, but what I can tell you is that it's free. The only thing I ask for you is that you hit the sub button for me. Plenty to get to today. We're going to be talking about Florida State getting hit with recruiting violations, times, new NIL deals, which continue to be a topic of discussion in the NCAA revamps, revisions, etc. Kind of the same thing that I talked about a couple of months ago, uh, but there has been some more definites that have been put on it. We're going to be talking about Carmelo Anthony, who's still upset about the number 15 being worn by Jokic, Shaq, or Joel Embiid. Who do you think is better? We're going to be talking about Coach Darko. He was fined for speaking out on officials. We're going to be discussing that as well. Coaching rumors for Alabama. Quinn Ewers, Harrison Jr., they are officially headed to the NFL draft. We're going to be talking about Travis Kelsey. He says he wants to stay with the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to be talking about Chad Ochocinco, talking about being with the Colorado Buffaloes, which, by the way, DJ Lundy withdrew from Colorado. We're going to be talking about that as well. First thing is first, Florida State hit with violations for NIL recruiting practices from 2022 the 2023 season it should come as no surprise now it's going to be very easy for the conspiracy theory button to get pressed on this one and I'm not going to say that there's no just cause and I'm not going to say that there is but I will say this this is a sticky situation in terms of this is kind of the beginning of the NCAA really looking at recruiting violations. Now, here's some things that I have talked about. Understand that towards the end of the summertime, Coach Brian Kelly of LSU sat in front of some Congress members asking them to regulate NIL deals. And mind you, right around that same time frame, it was Missouri and 12 other states that produced a law that said, look, if anybody comes in sniffing around third party, i.e. the NCAA, for NIL deals, then you have the right to sue them. Now, from what I remember, Florida was not a part of that. Missouri was, Texas was, Oklahoma was, New York was, a couple of other places. You're picking up what I'm putting down here, though. They made it unlawful. Now, shortly thereafterwards, the NCAA put out a memo to everybody saying, uh, we can do whatever the hell we want to in terms of investigations. Don't think that anybody's not going to be investigated. And now the NCAA has put the clamps down on Florida State as a way of, to me, more than anything, showing you think that you can't sue us. You think we can investigate. We can, we will, and we will sanction. So to me, this is a statement 
from the NCAA. Let's remember that the NIL deals in place, this all goes back to Condoleezza Rice. Remember when everybody made fun of her and claimed that all this stuff was things that could be written on a napkin and all this and that? Well, Congress in California started it, and then it went federal, and they said, look, you are going to allow them to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. They are 18 years old. They are lawfully able to sign a contract. You're not going to tell them what they can't do with their signature. Not anymore. Who got the last laugh? That's all there is to it. And now the NCAA has told Florida State, well, here's the example. They're setting a precedent right now, and they're using the Florida State Seminoles as an example. Now, understand something, that these violations are, by and large, not really that big on a surface level. Obviously, it can affect Florida State. By the way, the violations are as follows. It's basically one coach, Alex Atkins, who's the offensive line coach, With Florida State, he's been suspended for a few games for the next couple of seasons, particularly coming up this year. He's going to be suspended for the first three games of the season. They have been told to disassociate from the booster who they did not name by name, but they did say that he allegedly offered a player $15,000 a month in NIL money. Then, of course, they went on to make the sanctions from there. And the sanctions are as follows for Florida State. We're talking two-year probation, which, by the way, there's no the, – the probation is as follows, okay? Two-year show cause of suspension, which, by the way, is just an NCAA term for a coach who screwed up, basically. So it's a three-year disassociation from the alleged booster, right? A one-year act of disassociation from the collective, 5,000 – uh, fine plus 1% of the football budget, a 5% reduction in football scholarships over the two-year probationary period, right? A reduction in recruiting visits for 2023-2024, reduction in football recruiting communications for a total of six weeks during the 2023-24 season and the 25 season as well. That's it right there. Now, again, surface level, not that big, right? Not that big. Now, here's kind of the catch-22, and that is if you don't get to talk to them as much, that's probably going to produce some issues, okay? And we all saw what happened with Georgia. I mean, the Florida State scout squad didn't look that very good against Georgia, but it could also be very well stated that they basically gave the NCAA a middle finger and said, we're really not going to play that hard. We're not going to try that hard because you've already told us that what we did didn't matter during the season anyways. So there are plenty of ins and outs when it comes to this. Basically, it's all about whose side are you on. Because the NCAA recently reiterated in their new NIL, because they've made it official now, with the new NIL, the way that it is with the NCAA, they've said that we're going to regulate this thing. We want these contracts to be open, communicated with us. We're going to start allowing the universities to be getting more and more involved, right, And what we're worried about are athletes who are being led by deceptive people. So we're trying to protect these athletes. Well, that's what they're telling you. But the reality of it is simply this. The NCAA, you better bet your bottom dollar, is teed off right now because they are missing out on money. And if you think they are not missing out on money, you have another thing coming. 
because every time they use somebody's name, image, and likeness, they now have to pay that person out. Why do you think all of a sudden you are seeing things from the NCAA, from Syracuse and places like that that you didn't see before? It's all about being cost-effective now for the NCAA when it comes to their advertising. That's a simple truth. Again, I really believe, and for me, this is the heart of all of this, that with what is going on with NIL deals and the craze of it all and the transfer portal and everything else, I think the NCAA is trying to set out a warning. Hey, remember when we told you that we can investigate you? Hey, remember when we said that we don't care what your local government says? We supersede you. Remember that? Well, this is it right here. This is the beginning of figuring out any way that they can to try and get a lid on this. But the reality is it's already loose, right? It's a pit bull off his leash, and there's no way to contain it at this point. And the NCAA is trying to figure out how to do it because you got Brian Kelly and all these other coaches out here running around going, well, we don't want to lose the term student-athlete. You don't want to lose the term student-athlete because you don't want to be costing yourself some money and you don't know how to coach somebody who may potentially be making more money than you one day. As long as the word student-athlete is there, that term, you can essentially have control over somebody in what they do. You are losing control. You are losing the ability to keep them around because, hey, I don't want to be screamed at by you. Fine. Transfer portal, I go. Bye. Deuces. I can go get money somewhere else. Who are you talking to? This is a battle that is not going to end anytime soon. All right, everybody, we got to take a break. We got bills around here. Don't you dare touch that down. Block 50 Global Radio. Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. The show's fired up, and we are live. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. Take advice to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google, wherever you're listening. I am there. I am brought to you in part by WBFR, Block 50 Radio. They are online 24-7, 365 at block50radio.com. I am on YouTube, The Real Drew Duncan, VRL Drew Duncan. If you don't want to pay for any more podcast subs, head on over to the YouTube channel. I do post entire episodes there for free. Still plenty to get to today. We're going to be talking about Mello and the number 15 with the Nuggets, Shaq and Joel. We're going to be talking about Coach Darko, fined by the NBA for speaking out after the Lakers game. We're going to be talking about Quinn Ewers and Marvin Harrison Jr., both the clearing for the NFL draft. We're going to be talking about Travis Kelsey says he wants to stay in Kansas City. We're going to be talking about Chad Ochocinco and the Buffs, his official position with Colorado. And we're going to be tying that in with DJ Lundy, who withdraws from Colorado. Plenty to get to. By the way, I don't know where you guys live. I don't know what the weather's like. And I'm normally not this guy to sit around and talk about the weather. But I got woke up at midnight last night because of a very literal thunderstorm 
in the middle, like not even the middle quite yet. Of, well, basically, yeah, middle of January. January, there was a thunderstorm. And I'm not talking about like snow or anything like that with like a little bit of thunder. I'm talking about full-on rain, thunder, lightning, storm. Heavy winds, January. I have never in my life witnessed anything like that before. Never. The craziest I've ever seen. Woke my ass up out of a dead sleep. I mean, I was snoozing good. And then I woke up. You know, you you, you go to bed and you wake up and you're dehydrated as for no reason. Yeah, it was it was that it tied into that. So then I ended up going to the gas station that's next to me. I still have not been to bed. I don't know if at this point I'm a little woozy or drowsy or whatever. Now, I feel fine, but you know you get kind of like that fog going on. Oh, yeah. Darko fined by the NBA for speaking out. Toronto Raptors, they were upset. As you may recall, a couple of nights ago, the Lakers played the Raptors, and there were 22 fouls called against the Toronto Raptors and only three for the Lakers. Now, if anybody actually watched that game, you would know that the reason why Toronto was hit with so many fouls was because after a while they were fouling on purpose. Now, the rest of the game, you know, look, I'm 50-50 on that. But here's my biggest concern out of all of it. And I mean out of all of it. Number one, the officiating this year from the referees has been unequivocally the worst that I think I've ever seen in the NBA. I mean, very literally, I think this is the worst that I've ever seen it. And I got to tell you, if anybody wanted to talk about rigged and conspiracy theories and all that, this would probably be the season to do it. You can go back to that Kings-Lakers series and, and you know, be like, well, that looked kind of conspicuous. You could look at all the Tim Donahue, Tim Donahue interviews. You know, they love game six in the NBA. You know, they love this. They love that. We can do whatever we want to. Da-da-da-da-da. You could go look at the interviews from Michael Francesi, who will tell you that athletes are making way too much money now. So you've got to be leery of referees because, you know, they've got kids they've got to feed, and they want to have good Christmases like everybody else. They're around all these big-time NBA ball players, buying all this immaculate stuff for their families. They get jealous. They want to be in on it too. It's very conceivable, and I do mean very conceivable, that they could be like, what about me? If you wanted to look at it from this season, you absolutely could. And my biggest concern is that nobody is allowed to speak out against the referees in any league. The NFL, the NBA, what in the hell is going on? When did it become a thing of, you know, we really don't want you to speak out against our officiating. And for the conspiracy theorist that is out there, he just, they look at it and go, well, here's your proof, bro. They don't even want you to talk about the officiating. Whether the players and coaches are in it or not becomes irrelevant. I mean, look at the NFL. They've been making fun of it all season long, right? Most people will tell you, oh, yeah, you can't make this stuff up. 
Tom Brady made the joke, you think I'd have it scripted that I would lose to Eli's little brother twice? And yet here we are with all this BS floating around. The conspiracy theorists is well within their right to look at this and go, wow, bro. Wow. Are you blind? Can you not see what's going on here? How they are leveraging officiating, how they are gearing games a certain way, how they need the conversation. Meanwhile, the NBA is just like, it can happen. That's fine, but we're not going to talk about it. And remember this about the NBA. Referees are not allowed to speak on officiating. If they are, it's a head official who submits a written piece to the NBA first, and then the NBA goes in and says, okay, uh, you can do this, you can say this, you can't say that. Here you go. Here's the thing that you can do. It is very literally tailor-made by the NBA what officials are allowed to say. And if they do hold a press conference, which again in and of itself is rarer than rare, we're talking blue rare on a steak, understand that what they can do is get up on a podium, read what they have, and then that's it. They're not allowed to answer any questions. No questions will be asked. No answers will be given. And it's really bizarre, too, because the NBA, the NFL, etc., you get fines when you don't talk to the media. Yet, for some weird reason, they keep the officials in a very strict place. They want the players, they want the coaches to talk, but what they want the players and coaches to talk about was what a fun game it was. Well, we tried really hard, just didn't go our way today. Thanks, guys, for coming. Here's a couple of photos. Here's a quick sound bite. There it is. That's what they're looking for. Whatever promotes them and not necessarily a negative light. Because, see, the negative attention is not good attention. I've been spewing this for years, long before Colin Coward ever said it. You think all attention is good attention? It's not. Ask the NBA. Ask the NFL. Ask Jerry Jones. Ask all these people where they go, all publicity is good publicity. The hell it is. I know that nobody believes that, that's in a position that these organizations are in, simply because of the way that they keep their officiating in the pocket that they do. And that is, you're right here in this corner. This is what you're allowed to do. It's mainly Adam Silver, Roger Goodell, these commissioners that are nothing more than front people. Understand, all this stuff that you guys say is acted on with the commissioners and all that, 90% of what they do is just whatever the NFL owners and the NBA owners vote on. They decide all of that stuff. And then the commissioner goes in and acts it. The fact of the matter is, the NBA and the NFL and all these places, if they don't want people to start leaving, because eventually audiences are going to give up. They don't like having their intelligence ins- or intelligence insulted. Once you start changing the perception, then you can bring your audience back. But what they are afraid of is referees slipping. That Tim Donahue deal was a bad look for the NBA. Now, they survived it, obviously, but there's only so much of that that you can really take. 
and we're circling all the way back around to it, basically. It, it, it looks like nothing has changed. If you want the perception of your brand to change, you have to have more visibility because I was always taught that the media is there to make sure that the powers that be have somebody to answer to, and yet they don't want us to be able to have the answers from the people who matter, and that's the rest. We're going to take a break. Don't touch that dial. Block 50 Global Radio. Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. The show is fired up, and we are live. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am wherever you're listening to podcasts. Tell your device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google, wherever you're listening, I am there. I am brought to you in part by WBFR, Block 50 Radio, which can be found online at block50radio.com. If you don't want to pay for any more podcast subs, head on over to my YouTube channel, The Real Drew Duncan, The RL Drew Duncan, where I do post entire episodes for free. Not going to promise you there won't be any ads, but what I can tell you is it's going to be free. The only thing I ask is that you hit the sub button for me. Still plenty to get to today. We're going to be talking about coaching rumors with Alabama. Quinn Ewers, Marvin Harrison Jr. officially going into the NFL draft. We're going to be talking about Travis Kelsey, who says he wants to stay in Kansas City. We're going to be talking about Chad Ochocinco with the Buffs combined with DJ Lundy who has withdrawn from Buffalo and decided to stay in Florida State. Carmelo Anthony still irritated over the number 15 being used with the Denver Nuggets. Plenty to get to today. Uh, look, Alabama, obviously right now, the big thing for them is finding a new coach. Look, I, I got to tell you, I don't really know that Nick Saban did business the right way. Okay, I, I understand where he's coming from when he's talking about his health and all those things, and it was kind of a last-minute decision, and that this season took a bigger toll on him than any other season had, and, and I get that, okay? Simultaneously, I, I think that you know when you're getting close to the brink, and I, I think Alabama with Nick Saban, Nick could have easily been like, look, guys, I am really thinking about – retiring you you guys might want to go and, and think about maybe finding somebody else and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Nick Saban I'm really not but I I, I think that it's almost something that you can look at and potentially see it as done on purpose to make sure that his legacy gets submitted for quite a period of time because again you don't want to be the guy who follows the guy you want to be the guy who followed the guy because usually the next guy just cannot get it done it is a very difficult task to follow somebody up who did what Nick Saban did. And when I talked about embracing Nick Saban's legacy, but yet making Alabama his own for the next head coach, the reason that I brought that up is I equate it to the Tom Osborne situation. 
I mean, a lot of people will probably remember when Tom Osborne left Nebraska. That was a huge gap to fill. And initially, it was handled very well, but then all that fell out. And the next guy who came in, as you may remember, said the words out loud when Tom Osborne became the AD of Nebraska. If you think, if literally, if you think that SOB is going to be running things from Washington, D.C., then he's got another thing coming. Because if I remember correctly, wasn't Osborne the governor of Nebraska at that time frame? And you just you just don't say anything about Tom Osborne in Nebraska and think you're going to get away with it. It's just not the way that it's going to work. So I, I really think that Alabama's got to be very careful here. Now, a name that Paul Feinbaum threw out there was Butch Jones, but, I mean, come on. Did, does anybody remember what happened when he was at Tennessee? I mean, my whole thing was he had lost the locker room, and I, you know, re- talked about it over and over again with the Peyton Manning situation and how I I think it looked to the players and divided the locker room and I I think it was obvious in the way that everything turned out with that football team I don't think he's going to get it done I think Lane Kiffin is secure in Old Miss not really sure why Deion Sanders has been thrown out there he's got whatever he's got going on in Colorado his kids are playing in Colorado still Shador hasn't at this point decided that he's going to declare for the draft. He's still got Travis Hunt over there. So I, I don't think that Deion Sanders is going anywhere. Uh, let's be clear about that. I think the Big 12 is a good situation for him because I think Colorado has a chance to easily be the premier football team in the Big 12 right now. I don't think there's any if ands, or buts about that. So let's leave that name off of the list. Now, supposedly Dan Lanning was seen in Tuscaloosa, but he had said a couple of days ago that he was going to stay in Oregon. Now, coaches all the time say, I'm not going anywhere, and then, of course, they end up going somewhere. Do I think Dan Lanning would be a good fit in Alabama? I'm going to say yes and no to that. Yes, because he's done a pretty good job in Oregon. Obviously, wasn't able to get to a championship. Had a lot to say about Dion. obviously. I don't know that he's a good fit, though, just because he's he's still very young. And I think what he is all about in Oregon, the people love it. In Alabama, I'm not really sure it would be reciprocated. I think he's too outspoken about other coaches and teams and players. And I think it would cause a lot of issues, especially if Alabama was not able to continue winning the way that they have been. And so I don't think that would be a good fit. Again, you go back to Nebraska and how everything went down with Coach Bo and all that stuff out there. Bo Pelini, if anybody remembers that, how outspoken he was and, you know, about Tommy Frazier and wins and losses and wasn't very friendly to the media and all those things. Not really sh- – I, I think Dan Lanning would end up being in a very similar situation. So I don't think that Dan Lanning is a good fit for Alabama either. If there's anybody out there that's a good fit, but it's it still got some issues with it, but if there's anybody who's a good fit, it's Dabo Sweeney. Forget about the coaching tree. Forget about you know the Nick Saban coaching tree and, and all that stuff. Focus strictly on this. Dabo is very much like Nick Saban in that he's not really a big fan of how big the transfer portal is right now. Not really a big fan of the NIL deals. He wants to recruit guys and build them up using you know the typical way that it's done in college football. 
We are going to recruit guys that we think could be here for three, four, five years now, six years, seven years in some cases. You know, look at look at Cam over in Utah. He wants to do things that way. And that's the way that Nick Saban wanted to do things. Now, I have already said that whoever's going to come in next, to me, has to not only be willing to embrace Nick Saban's legacy, which I think Dabo would somewhat do, but he's already got his own legacy but he also has to make Alabama his own, which he could very well do. But I think that said coach also needs to embrace the NIL deals and, and the way that college football is changing and evolving. Again, you look at Nebraska and how dominant they were for all those years. They didn't want to adapt to college football in the way that it was changing at the time, and it really bit them in the backside. And I think with Alabama, you could potentially end up seeing that exact same situation. I think you have to go and find somebody who is ready to embrace the way that things are done in today's college football. Now, I know that Scott Frost is still out there. I understand that he was not very successful in Nebraska, but I I think that he was unsuccessful in Nebraska because maybe he was just too tied in to the legacies that he had at Nebraska and was maybe a little too hands-on running the option himself, you know, in terms of getting ready for teams like Georgia Tech and all that. I think he would take a little bit more of a hands-off approach. I think he would also be very good at embracing the way that college football is right now. I think he would also be willing to accept Nick Saban's legacy, and I think he would be willing to figure out how I can make Alabama my own at the same time. I I just think that you need to go – and find somebody who's basically an outsider from Alabama. I think if you try to find somebody who's too much of an insider, what you are going to get is somebody who eventually is too jealous to continuously embrace what Nick Saban has left behind. Look, what Nick Saban left behind is only going to get forgotten about once somebody wins a championship there. And until that happens, all that person is going to hear about is Nick Saban, Nick Saban. Look at Steve Young. And the way that he had to live under that shadow of Joe Montana until he finally got his own Super Bowl. And even then, it really wasn't good enough for a lot of people. Well, you got one. Montana got four. So you have to realize that what is left behind is, again, very insurmountable. It's somebody who's going to have to be willing to accept that in every media conference, every press conference, every time they lose, every time they win, up until you get that seventh national championship, all you are going to hear about is, well, he's just not Nick Saban. It's going to be very difficult to find somebody who's going to be willing to put that aside for a very, very long time. All right, everybody, I am Drew Duncan. The show's fired up. We're going to take a break. Don't you dare touch that dial. Block 50 Global Radio. Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. The program is fired up, and we are live. I am wherever 
You are listening to podcast, Take Advice to Play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google, wherever you are listening, I am there. I am brought to you in part by WBFR, Black 50 Radio. They are online 24-7, 365 at black50radio.com. Black 50 Radio is Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Guys, I'm on YouTube, The Real Drew Duncan, The RL Drew Duncan, where I do post entire episodes for free. If you don't want to pay for any more podcast subs, head on over to my YouTube channel. Can't tell you there won't be any ads, but what I can tell you is that free is free. The only thing I ask is that you go ahead and hit the sub button for me. Still plenty to get to. We're going to be talking about Quinn Ewers, Marvin Harrison Jr. on their way to the NFL draft. We're going to be talking about Travis Kelsey, who says he wants to stay in Kansas City. We're going to be talking about Ocho and the Buffs, DJ Lundy and the Buffs, Dion and the Buffs, etc. We're going to be talking about Carmelo Anthony, who's still waging a war in the number 15 with the Nuggets, and Shaq and Joel Embiid. Boy, I tell you what, it's really starting to settle in now. It's really starting to settle in, me being up since midnight. Man, I'm telling you what. I was sleeping so damn good. Probably the best sleep I was getting in I don't know how long. And the thing was, the night before, I really didn't get a lot of sleep. And so you know how, like, sometimes you just go to bed early the next night, like you just force yourself. And, again, I was watching basketball last night. But there were just so many blowouts. I was just like, man, to hell with this. I'm just going to – there's no reason for me to be up. I mean, after the Bucks were up by 40 and they switched over the game to the Knicks game, who, by the way, was down by – you know, it was close – by the time they switched it over, it was a, they were down by 20. It was just like, here we go. And I was just like, dude, I'm, I'm not staying up for the Suns. I'm, I'm just, I'm not. Not going to happen. Not for that team. They, I tell you what, Kevin Durant, the more he moves around, the worse it gets for that guy. Seriously. Quinn Ewers and Marvin Harrison Jr. have officially made their play play I tried to say plight I don't know why I was going to say plight but have officially made their play to the NFL draft look the old adage is right it's something that's been talked about almost at a nauseating level now in the NFL NBA really sports in general and that is availability is the best ability and Quinn Ewers has spent the bulk of his collegiate career injured Right, he got injured at the beginning of the season when they played against Alabama a couple of seasons ago. Remember that? And I maintained that if Quinn Ewers hadn't got hurt, Texas probably would have won that football game, if I'm being honest with you. But it is what it is. Then he got hurt again later on in the season. And then this past year, he was injured again. And it seemed like every week, it was like, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? He was just always battling something. And and then on top of all this, mind you, let's not forget no more Malik Murphy. Let's not forget that. So that means ergo next man up is going to be Arch Manning. So everybody's going to get a look at Arch Manning next season. I mean, there's nobody else there. It's pretty much by default at this point unless he's just really not that ready. So, everybody get ready for the third Manning. Really the fourth. So, there's that Texas fan. Which, by the way, his first year starting is going to be in the SEC. 
And has anybody seen that schedule? That's going to be a hell of a a watch for the season. So there's that. So not only did not only did he say, "By the way, I'm going to the NFL." He also said, "Good luck with Arts." <laughs> Who, to be honest with you, probably would have started over Malik Murphy anyways. And, uh, I mean, just because of all the NIL money that's out there, I mean, there's going to be a lot of pressure to play him. And that could be why Malik Murphy took off. I mean, maybe he knew that Quinn Ewers was going to make a move to the NFL draft and he just thought, dude, I'm I'm going to go somewhere else and, and just not even deal with this. Which, you know, I can't really blame him. I mean, Arch Man, he's, he, he's going to get it by default whether he's better than Malik Murphy or not. Obviously, with Malik Murphy, we saw some turnover issues in, in the short time that we saw him playing in Texas. Be that as it may, they did win those football games. So, with Quinn Ewers, not only did he leave that with Texas, but I, I just I don't know how long he's going to survive in the NFL. You know, I, I look back to guys like Jason White, you know, who didn't even get drafted, and he was a Heisman Trophy winner, but nobody wanted to draft him because he was playing on two bad knees. I mean, does anybody remember him him wearing knee braces? you know, when he was in college at OU. So I just really don't think that Quinn Ewers is going to be a high draft. Uh, do I think he's better than Drake May? Probably. I, I'm not, I still don't understand why Drake May is on so high on everybody's board. I, I really just personally don't get it. But regardless of that, I, I just think that Quinn Ewers, if he does get drafted, he's probably a seventh-round draft pick. Fourth at the earliest. I can't see him going in rounds one, two, or three. Even with everything that happened with Texas, I think people are going to look at how injury prone he is and, and go, "Man, you're not going to survive in the NFL like that." It's just it, it can't happen. So I, I just, for my money, he's a decent prospect in terms of his capability, which is certainly there. But man, when you're made out of glass, it just it only takes you so far. And that's just the reality of it. Now, as far as Marvin Harrison Jr. goes, look, I'm not really sure that there's a better overall prospect, especially at his position, that's coming out in the draft right now. I love Jane Daniels. I think he's the best quarterback and the best prospect at quarterback to be coming out of college this year. Yeah, Better than Caleb Williams. I don't care what anybody has to say about it. My thing is what Marvin Harrison Jr. is he made – Ohio State 10 times better than they actually were. And he made Kyle McCord at times look like a really good quarterback, but he wasn't, and he's not. And he is the reason that Ohio State was in the position that they were towards the end of the year. There is not a better prospect that I have seen in a long time that can take somebody – and make them look, an entire football team, and make them look better than they are from his position. I've seen it with running backs. I've seen it with defenses. I've seen it with defensive players. I've seen it with really good offensive linemen. I've seen it with quarterbacks. But I don't know that I have really seen it with a wide receiver in this long. And me being a huge Syracuse fan the name Marvin Harrison rings a damn good bell because he played at Syracuse. Let's not forget that. The reality is Marvin Harrison Jr. could potentially one day end up being better than his old man. And I'm not even kidding. 
And there are teams out there right now with, given their quarterback situation, Marvin Harrison Jr. could potentially come in right away and make a huge impact on any team that he's on. You you look at Josh Allen, you look at Joe Burrow and what's going on with his wide receiving core out there in Cincinnati. You know, you you look at Justin Fields, if they could have maybe just hang on to him a year longer, the impact that he could have had there in Chicago, giving somebody Justin Fields to really throw the football to. There's just a lot of things that I, I think teams are going to look at this and go, man, maybe, you know, Kyler Murray in Arizona – Justin Fields, or pardon me, Marvin Harrison Jr., wherever he goes, it's going to be immediate. And I normally don't like putting that type of pressure on somebody, and I don't normally like to say that about somebody, but I just don't know that there's a player right now that's in the draft that you can logically look at to me and say he is easily going to make an immediate impact on a football team and make them just even that much better. I don't know that they exist. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is maybe the best overall prospect that I've seen in probably 20-plus years. And I'm not even kidding about that. It's just a foregone conclusion to me. Without Marvin Harrison Jr., Ohio State would have been a 500-football team this year. And there's no way that you can even begin to change my mind. He was the Ohio State Buckeyes, especially on offense. I just, you'll see. You'll see what I'm talking about. We got to take a break. We'll be back. Don't you dare touch that dial. Block 50 Global Radio. Everybody, I am Drew Duncan. The show's fired up and we are live. I am on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. Take a device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google, wherever you're listening. I am there. I am brought to you in part by WBFR Block 50 Radio. Block50radio.com is online 24 7, 365. And do not forget they are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Everywhere you are, Block 50 Radio. If you can't find Block 50 Radio, you're not looking, my man. Real simple. <laughs> Just made it real simple for everybody. By the way, guys, I am on YouTube, The Real Drew Duncan, The RL Drew Duncan, where I do post entire episodes for free. Can't promise you there won't be any ads, but I can promise you it'll be free. The only thing I ask is that you go ahead and hit the sub button for me. Appreciate you. Still plenty to get to. We're going to be talking about Travis Kelsey here momentarily. We're going to be talking about Chad Ochocinco in Colorado, DJ Lundy in Colorado, Dion in Colorado. We've got Mello and his issue with the number 15 continues with Jokic. Shaq and Joel, they got compared. We're going to be talking about that, specifically Shaq's comments about it. In the meantime, Travis Kelsey says he wants to sign with the Kansas City Chiefs and remain a Chief. Well, that's good and fine and dandy, but number one, money is going to be a, a factor. And number two, if I'm going to be really honest with you about it, Kansas City fan, I really don't give a damn if you get upset with me or not. This is the reality. Travis has got to get his together. 
He really does. Look, at the beginning of the season, he was getting into fights with players, okay? Then the season begins, and the everything just starts to collapse. He's injured to begin the season, comes in, has a really good game, but then the fumbles and drop passes started to be an issue for even him, all right? By and large, he's not the issue with the receiving core in Kansas City, and obviously Kansas City fans are going to go, well, what about that big play? And it got called back with Tony. Okay, look, that's fine and dandy. I'm not saying that Kelsey's still not a playmaker or a game breaker or whatever the hell you want to call him because he is. But he started hanging out with Taylor Swift, started going to baseball games instead of being at practice, started, you know, showing up late, started going and hanging out at nightclubs. He's traveling all over the place to go here, go there, go everywhere. He's on his podcast. His podcast blows up when he starts dating Taylor Swift and all that stuff. And look, it is really easy for everything to be just too big around you. Let's be honest. This is the biggest that Travis Kelsey has ever been. To the NFL world, he was just a badass dude. The best tight end probably in all of football. I mean, it could have been debated between him and Kettle all day long or Kittle all day long, but I think a good majority of people would probably take in Travis Kelsey. I don't think there would have been any F ands or buts about it. But I just think that right now with the Chiefs financially, because remember all that money for Patrick Mahomes was pretty much put on the back end. Now they did restructure that contract a little bit, right, over this past season. They restructured it a little bit. But still, it's going to be really hard to start finding room for him. And let's not forget that Chris Jones, that money. Let's not forget Willie Gay. He's probably going to be gone because there's not going to be salary cap space for him. That defense was really damn good this season. You still have the playoffs coming up. So how he performs there is going to have a huge impact on whether or not he gets another big payday with the Chiefs. Look, it's just all kind of coming to a head. Right? I don't want to say that the dynasty is already over in Kansas City because it's really not fair. Let's not forget that Tom Brady, the year after they won that first Super Bowl, they went 9-7 and seven and it, they didn't even make the playoffs that year. Let's, let's not forget that that happened. So for everybody who wants to crack on Mahomes and the Chiefs and talk about how bad they are and this and that and a third, even after their Super Bowl win, they still made it back to the playoffs. Which, by the way, before the Patriots were doing it with their dynasty, before that, there was only a handful of football teams that won a Super Bowl and then made the playoffs the next season. It's not something that is done all the time. It's just that Tom Brady made it look like winning is easy when it's not. And right now, the Kansas City Chiefs are in that same boat. Not having Tyreek Hill finally caught up to them. Not having Sammy Watkins finally caught up to them. Not having a good run game finally caught up to them. Not having a very good offensive line finally caught up to them. I mean, they really were carried by Patrick Mahomes in that defense for the majority of the season. And Travis Kelsey, you know, he's been good in that if he has a drop or something like that, usually he comes back a play or two later and does something really big. And I'm not saying that he's not the second biggest star on that football team or even the second best player on that football team because he unequivocally is. And I know with Kansas City fan, it's really hard for anybody to critique Travis Kelsey because he was there during a time when the Chiefs really weren't that good. 
then they were okay and they were making the playoffs, but they still weren't going as far as they did with Mahomes. So there's a lot of love there from Kansas City Chief fan, and it's warranted. And I understand where you're probably going to be upset with me, but there is a very reality to this, and that is I think Travis Kelsey is going to have to really step back this offseason and take a chill pill. You cannot get into it. And, and look, here's the thing, all right? I have said all along in all of my career that, look, when guys are, are, are around each other and, and testosterone is flying, we're dudes, it's the way that it is, it's going to happen, brawls are going to happen, fights are going to happen, you're going to end up in a boxing match with somebody sometime somewhere down the road. I don't give a damn who you are. Every dude has probably been in a fight, and if you've never been in a fight, then congratulations, bro. You've lived probably the most boring life on planet Earth. Getting into a fight is really not that big of a deal. It's a big deal, though, when everything starts to build little by little. Like this little thing happens, and then that little thing happens, and then this big thing happens, and then that little thing happens, and then this little thing, and that little thing. And now all of a sudden, it's like, bro, enough already. You know, the Kansas City Chiefs, regardless of what anybody wants to say about the Miami Dolphins, this is not going to be an easy win for them. This game is not going to be all the way out in Germany or wherever the hell that last football game was played. Okay, and everybody could talk about that cold weather and Miami not going to be ready for it and all that stuff. People have been trying to spew that type of stuff for years and years and years about football teams like that in the NFL. How dome teams generally don't do good in the playoffs. How teams that play down in Florida and places like that where it's not cold, they don't do good in the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. I don't give a damn who you are. Negative five is negative five. Negative five is negative five. It is going to be blistering cold. Nobody is going to be ready for that. Nobody. Not people who live here. There's a reason why those tickets are super cheap. There are reasons for it. It's got nothing to do with whether or not they think the Chiefs are going to win. I guarantee you that's going to be a highly watched football game. I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of the if it's not the highest rated football game in the entire playoffs to begin the playoffs with, if I'm being honest with you. I think it's going to be that big of a deal. The Chiefs are still a huge deal. Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the NFL. Tua is looking to prove himself. McDaniels is entertaining as hell. Tyreek is arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. Travis Kelsey is still probably the best tight end in the NFL. There's a lot of star power. They probably have the best defense in the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs. It could be argued. There's a lot of star power on that football field. Andy Reid, the coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, there's a lot of star power. Taylor Swift is going to be sitting comfortably in a booth Nice and warm. There's going to be a lot of star power there. This is a big deal. Whether or not the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be focused, that's going to be a different thing because I think the Dolphins will be. I think they are sick and damn tired of hearing about it. I think the Kansas City Chiefs can't get enough of themselves right now. And I think even with the way the season has gone, reality has yet to sit in. That's all I'm saying. All right, everybody, I am Drew Duncan. The show's fired up. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is Drew Duncan Radio. 
I am brought to you in part by WBFR, Black 50 Radio, Black 50 Radio.com, 24-7-365. We're going to take a break and pay these bills. Don't you dare touch that dial. Block 50 Global Radio. And the program is fired up and we are live. I am brought to you in part by WBFR, Black 50 Radio, which is online 24-7-365 at Black50Radio.com. Do not forget that I am brought or wherever you are listening to podcasts. Take advice to play Fired Up by Drew Doak and iTunes, iHeart, Google, Spreaker, Deezer, etc. etc. Wherever you're listening to podcasts, I am there. I am on YouTube, the real Drew Duncan, the RL Drew Duncan where I do post entire episodes for free. The only thing that I do ask is that you hit the sub button for me. Obviously, still plenty to get to. Uh, We've already talked a little bit, obviously, about the NFL playoffs. As a matter of fact, I touched on that on Monday. T.J. Watt yesterday with the Pittsburgh Steelers being injured. May have a little bit of time to get into it again, but in the meantime, we still got Carmelo and that whole thing with the Denver Nuggets to talk about. Joel Embiid, Shaquille O'Neal. Ocho Cinco, the Colorado Buffaloes, Deion Sanders, etc. Still plenty to get to today in the program. So, Chad Ocho Cinco is officially a part of the Colorado Buffaloes, but understand that he's not on necessarily as a coach. He's on more as, as an advisor role. Okay, Warren Sapp is officially on as a coach with the Colorado Buffaloes. But remember, at the collegiate level, in order to be able to be a coach, you also have to go and get your your teaching degree, which is something that Warren Sapp, he went back to school, put himself through that so that way he could get that degree, so that way he could be a collegiate coach. So Chad Ochocinco, Terrell Owens, these guys are advisors, right? And it was, what was it, X or whatever, you know, they were on talking with each other on live, and Prime and Ocho both verified it, although I guess Ocho had taken a kid that they were recruiting down in Miami to the wrong place. You know, look, there's been a lot of blustering about the Colorado Buffaloes this offseason, right? It, people are very quick to talk about players like DJ Lundy, who initially had committed to going to Colorado, but then decommitted and then decided to stay in Florida State. There's been plenty of players that have been gone out and they've said, well, initially they were going to go to Colorado. They have it. I think they had four in like a few days that backed out of their commit to Colorado. But they did go and get one of the highly or most highly recruited offensive linemen in the country, right? He announced it on Fox with Skip and Michael Irvin and all those guys. And by the way, let's not forget that they still have the top class considered coming in with transfers coming out of the portals, for and that's for the second straight year. And they have the 21 highest-ranked recruiting class coming in the next season for the Colorado Buffaloes and all of college football, which over 130 division teams. Now, being a huge Syracuse fan who had a recruiting classes out the wazoo, you know, that were consistently in the top 25 in the country is what they were considered, it didn't produce a national championship. So – the the point of what I'm saying is is there's two sides to that, right? Obviously, you can look at it and go and say, hey, Prime is doing his job. It's still too quick to judge. 
We realize how the season ended, but this is how the recruiting class has gone so far. They're still tops in all of college football and utilizing the transfer portal. They're still getting some recruits to come in. It's obvious that they are doing their job and that Prime is taking this seriously. Simultaneously, having a big recruiting class or a great recruiting class doesn't necessarily mean that you are ready to compete for a national championship. It takes time to build these things. Obviously, with Shador and Travis Hunter and Shiloh, there's some really good building blocks in Colorado, but there's still a long way to go. You know, I was one of the few that at the beginning of the year, I was definitely on prime side. I was on prime side when everything went down at Jackson State. But one of the things that I immediately talked about was the offensive line combined with Shador holding on to the football a little too long and, and staying in that pocket. At some point, there's got to be a trigger that says, I've got to get the hell out of here. And that's just the way that it is. Simultaneously, you look at that Oregon game, I mean, as soon as you drive back to pass, there was somebody there. So it's obvious that the offensive line definitely needed a lot of correcting. Prime has obviously taken the steps to try and get that done. We'll see what their offensive line looks like going into this season. Remember, the Big 12 is not known for their defensive play. Let's just get that out of the way. They are known strictly for their offense, and that is all there is to it. And there are a million and one reasons for that. But the bottom line is, Prime is going to have to still work on that offensive line because it doesn't matter how bad a defense is. If they can put pressure on the quarterback, it's going to throw off everything. Timing, rhythm, timing plays, rhythm plays. You get somebody rattled back there, you beat them up like the way that they, you know, what happened to them in that Colorado State game, and it lingers for an entire season. I still maintain that that Colorado State game beat those guys up so physically that they never fully recovered for the rest of the year. I mean, I really believe that happened. Now, whether or not that's the case in point, who knows? Obviously, there's, you know, things about, you know, the ribs and the injury, you know, that that Shador Sanders was playing with and, and Dion having to get him over to the hospital when they came back from a flight and all those things. So, you know, we're going to see. But obviously, Travis Hunter is another thing that Colorado is going to have to work out Again, I maintain that I think that they need to figure out exactly what they're going to do with him. You, know, you look at Mike Sanders still, to me, as a perfect example at Michigan. Could easily have played both ways if he wanted to. Was a wide receiver there. Switched over to the nickelback and did wonderful in his position at nickelback with the Michigan Wolverines. Now, obviously, Travis Hunter is too good to just be a nickelback unless that's part of your primary package. But I think that eventually you have to decide exactly what you're going to do with them. Because over 100 plays every single game is going to be too much for anybody. And you can't take that much trade off the tires, especially when somebody's looking at going to the NFL. You are increasing the injury factor. You are increasing the fatigue factor. You are increasing the production factor. Because after a while, when the fatigue and the injuries and all that start to mount up, then that's when you're going to get less value of the production. Even though they're in on so many plays, it doesn't matter. It's like that dude at your job that works 150 hours a week, it seems like, but he also never seems to get anything done. Just burnt out. They're there, but they're burnt out. It's kind of the same concept in a lot of ways. So if, if I'm Coach Prime, I'm looking at ways to better utilize 
Travis Hunter. I, I think you need to figure out primarily if he's going to be on offense or defense. You know, it, and to me, it's all about Shador Sanders, right? It's all about quarterback. Do you feel like you need to help him out? Or do you think maybe you can move Travis Hunter over to the defense and with him and Shiloh on each side of the football field, you can get a lot more out of him? You know, uh, you could take Travis Hunter and use him primarily on defense, maybe in some punt return situations, and then once in a while throw in some gadget plays for him on offense, and simultaneously you can use him as a distraction. Right, He's in the game. We want the defense to key in on him because we really want to do something else over here. Simultaneously, you can use some gadget plays to get him involved offensively so that way it looks like, hey, look, we've ran this setup play a couple times. They may not think we're going to go to Travis Hunter. Now he's the primary target on this particular play. Let's see if we can get him one-on-one. Right, So it's all about creating those matchups and utilizing your player to the best of their capability while simultaneously not burning them out. Because now Travis Hunter has also got the, the podcast Bleacher Report, right? Travis talks or Travis speaks, right? That whole thing going on. So now there's just so much out there, and Travis Hunter is doing a million and one things. And on top of that, he's got to maintain his grades in school. Let's not forget about that aspect. You know, there's still film study. There's still practice. There's still all these other things that he's got to do. So it to me, it's about lightening the load of responsibility and and creating a situation that is beneficiary to not only him but obviously the football team. So I think Dion needs to work on that approach and balancing out the act with Travis Hunter. But I, I still think that Colorado could be the premier team. You know, again, with all the changes that have been made in college football, specifically the Big 12, it is literally nothing like we've ever known it with the Big 8 or the Big 12. And KU kind of made a, a bit of a move this past season, right, to, to improve themselves. Central Florida, right, the game against OU. So there's going to be some competition in the Big 12, but they should still be the premier team, especially given the history that's there for Colorado. All right, everybody, I am Drew Duncan. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am brought to you in part by WBFR, Block 50 Radio, Block50Radio.com. Still plenty to get to with Carmelo, Jokic, and the Nuggets. Don't you dare touch that down. Block 50 Global Radio. Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. The show is fired up, and we are live. I am brought to you in part by WBFR, Block 50 Radio, which is online 24-7, 365 at block50radio.com. Block 50 Radio is online on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Block 50 Radio. Guys, I am on YouTube, The Real Drew Duncan, The RL Drew Duncan. If you don't want to pay for any more podcasts or download any more podcasts go ahead and sub to the youtube channel and i do post entire episodes there for free still plenty to get to today we're going to be talking about Jokic and carmelo we're going to be talking Shaq and joel 
if we have time, we're going to touch on some NFL playoffs today, which obviously I've talked about throughout the week. You know, I, I pretty much said everything I think I needed to say on Monday. There haven't been too many new developments, obviously, throughout the week in terms of, like, injury reports or anything like that that I don't think anybody's unaware of. Obviously, touched on T.J. Watt, talked about Mike Tomlin yesterday on the show. So, may just kind of re-hit on that. But in the meantime, Shaq was doing an interview. And during the interview, the guy said, look, I'm going to give you two guys and I'm going to give you their numbers. Here's one guy's numbers. Here's another guy's numbers. Well, the guy with the better numbers, basically, especially in terms of points, ended up being Joel Embiid. Then, of course, Shaq was like, look, dude, I was doing that with three or four motherfuckers guarding me, so talk to me when Joel has that. Then he went on to talk about something significant, right, because the guy that was interviewing him was like, look, man, obviously Joel's at a point now where everybody's like, dude, you got to do something to playoffs. I agree. I've talked about that. I think that's pretty much common knowledge at this point in, in Joel's career. You know, and let's not forget that there were rumors that he was potentially going to head to the New York Knicks. Obviously, a stellar defense over there. Uh, you know, we've seen Brunson a couple of times have some really big games. But, you know, be that as it may, Joel probably would have exceeded and excelled as a scorer over there with a really good defense around him. Probably would have been able to minimize his minim- minutes a little bit, keep him healthy for the playoffs regardless, didn't happen. He's with the Sixers. So now it's all about getting into the playoffs, right? And Shaq talked about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he read something where Kareem was like, look, I I don't know how I feel about Shaq because he doesn't have a championship yet. And Shaq was just, you know, he talked about how first he was really upset, but then he realized how it basically defines your career and what it takes to be in a championship pedigree. Now, look, I've been one of the people that forever has been upset with Shaq because every time him and Charles Barkley get into a debate on, you know, the TNT show, they Shaq likes to go, well, you know, you don't know what it's like to go back to back and you don't understand what it takes to win a ring. You don't have one. I've got I've got a few. And sometimes it's like, okay, bro, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Charles doesn't know what it takes to be successful in the NBA. I mean, let's not forget that he would probably have a ring if it wasn't for number 23. I mean, let's just keep that a buck. Okay? Simultaneously, there is an aspect to that that is 100% true. You know, you're you're racking up these numbers, and you're having this great year, and you're getting all, you know, triple doubles and double doubles, and you're dominating, and you're getting your rebounds, and you're getting your points, but what is the team doing? What is the team doing? Look, there are a lot of great individual basketball players. Hell, there's a lot of great individual athletes. Tim Tebow, Russell Westbrook. There are plenty. There are no shortage of great individual athletes in any level of sports. High school, collegiate, pro, whatever the case is, there's no short of great individuals. But see, then there's that that other line of the player who makes the players that are around him even better. And those guys are rare. We're talking John Elway status. Regardless of what anybody wants to say, John Elway took a very mediocre offense and made those guys look better than they really were. If anybody else would have been the quarterback of those football teams, they would have never even sniffed the playoffs, let alone gotten to three Super Bowls. 
It's just the way that it is. He made everybody around him better. Tom Brady made everybody around him better. Look at offensive players and where they went after they left the Patriots and how good were they. And the whole thing was, well, if Bill Belichick is getting rid of you, then there must not be anything left in the tank. Well, maybe that's because Tom Brady was making these guys look better than they were. We could certainly point to that as a possibility. Makes everybody look a little bit better and be a little bit better. And that's the thing that you have to ask yourself with Joel Embiid. He's getting a lot of individual stats, but does he really make the players around him in Philly that much better? I mean, look at what what happened with Moxley at the beginning of the season. Really big hype around him. My thing was, can he stay consistent all year long? Where are we at now? The 76ers, we know, are probably going to end up making the playoffs. What are they going to do, though, once they get there? Does Joel really, truly benefit any basketball team that he's on when it matters the most? That's the big thing. Does he make everybody around him a little bit better? Jordan made players around him better. LeBron, you could say, made some players around him better. J.R. Smith. It could be that way. What I am saying is it takes somebody sometimes to make the team better. Sometimes they carry a team by having to put up these ordinate numbers, but not everybody is an Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson dragged a very mediocre basketball team. Come on, Eric Snow, come on, kicking and screaming to the NBA Finals. Joel Embiid hasn't been able to do that, and look at how dominant he's been. I mean, you have to ask yourself legitimately as a Sixers fan, is Joel even better than Allen Iverson at this point? Allen Iverson at least got there. By the time he got paired up with Melo, I mean, he was a shell of himself. Speaking of which, Melo is still upset with Jokic wearing the number 15. He says that they are trying to erase what he did in Denver. Well, look, Carmelo Anthony came in and took a very bad Denver Nuggets team to the playoffs. I mean, got them in the Western Conference Finals. And when you really think about it, they probably shouldn't have been there. But that was, you know, everybody talks about hoodie Melo and all that. To hell with that. Braided Melo, braided Carmelo Anthony, skinny Carmelo Anthony, was the best basketball player I think I've ever seen in my life. Pure shooting, all-out defense, up and down the court, nobody hustled harder, made all those game-winning shots, was just an unstoppable force when he was with the Denver Nuggets. But he couldn't get him to that next level. And when he left for the New York Knicks, I don't think he had put in enough time for his number to be retired when he was with the Nuggets. I don't think it's that they're trying to erase what Carmelo did. I think that it's they moved on from Carmelo and they realized that Jokic could maybe potentially take him to a place they had never been before. Now, I'm not going to say that Jokic doesn't have a better team around him with Jamal Murray and these other guys because he absolutely does. But Jokic was also good enough that when the team around him wasn't very good, he was like Melo doing a lot more with a lot less. And we all knew that the inevitable was Jokic was eventually going to win a championship. 
I don't think that a lot of people felt that was the inevitable with Carmelo. In fact, as somebody who's been in sports radio for a long time, regardless of how much I stood up for him, I can't tell you how many phone calls I got of people that were lining up to tell me, Carmelo's not that good. He's never going to win a championship. He's just not. It's not going to happen. And it never did. However, Carmelo should still get his flowers. He won a collegiate title. He's got a gold medal. I mean, he is a winner, regardless of what people want to say about him. He is a winner. But he just doesn't have enough time in with the Denver Nuggets to say that number 15 should have exclusively belonged to him. What Jokic has done is taken them to a championship. Melo cannot do it. And I'll be honest with you, as much as I love Melo, overall, I can say without any kind of doubt that Jokic is a better player than Carmelo. Especially the way his career finished. Not began, but finished. It's the way that it is. All right, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. The show's fired up. We're going to take a break. Don't you dare touch that dime. 